Welcome to the Women of Marvel podcast, where we assemble to chat all things Marvel and more. This is Judy Stevens, producer. I'm Emily Shaw, associate editor. And this is Sana Manith, director of content and character development. Um, this episode, we have a very, very uh, special guest who is near and dear to all of us um, and who is actually leaving us for the international lands of Shanghai. I, I said that totally horribly and very the ignorantly. International lands. International lands. Not in the country. I meant to say international Marvel lands. Um, and uh, we've got CB Sabolsky with us. Hello. Hello, CB. CB is CB. You have to make sure that we say that I say the title correctly. You are VP of International Development. What and is, brand management, and brand management. Comma Marvel, comma Asia. <laughs> so just like me, <laughs> yes, we exactly. have confusing titles. With ampersands in our titles. <laughs> well, she sometimes forgets her title. I, didn't, I, I forgot do. mine for years. I still don't know this one. I'm like, I'm like, oh, I gotta get used to saying it. But you have a new title now. Well, that was, right? my, I think my new title is, is yeah, the, the comma Marvel, comma Asia is new to my title. Because <laughs> technically I'm going to be date based at the Disney office in Shanghai. Yeah. So there's not, Marvel's not a legal entity yet, so I have to have be Disney and then comma Marvel comma Asia. Okay. Wow. So this is and this is a very um, this is kind of this is sad for all of us because CB at least for me on a personal level I've known CB for before I even started working at Marvel yeah. which was uh, now it's been at least 10 years yep. since we've met um, and you are and you've been back and forth at Marvel over yeah, the since, last since years. 99. Since 99. But now this is the first time you're actually leaving to represent the company Abroad, yeah. Abroad, I'll be the first Marvel, actual Marvel employee to not work in the United States. So, like, we have the, yeah. some Marvel dedicated people and brand managers in London and in Sao Paulo and in Tokyo, but I'll be the first Marvel employee that's actually lifting up and going elsewhere. So, um, why don't we just go backwards first and talk about C.B. Sabolsky when he had his first job at Marvel Comics, what that was... And uh, why he kept li- leaving us and coming back. <laughs> <laughs> it's the three-year itch. Yeah. But no, my first job at Marvel was I was actually the translator and like kind of like rights coordinator for the different Marvel manga series that we were bringing over from Japan. So it was uh, we had a Spider-Man manga, a Hulk manga, and an X-Men manga series. So uh, Marvel held the rights for those, and a guy that I worked with at the time had the idea like, hey. Marvel, you have these manga that are just sitting around. Why don't you translate them to English? And they found out they had the rights, so uh, he hired me to help him do the translation and the editing and things like that. So. And, well, CB, for those, for those of you guys um, who don't know CB, which will be very surprising, he... No, you know fluent Japanese. Yeah, I lived there for five years. When was this? this was that was 90, 92 to 97. Okay. And what were you doing in Japan? I was an English teacher, ah. and I was studying manga. So, and just to back up on a macro sense, CB is a very important person to the Marvel community because, despite his extremely long and slightly confusing title, he is the <laughs> unofficial social ambassador to the Marvel community. I would say so. He's really 
the one who organizes all the drink ups, knows all the people, he's friends with everybody. He's Ends been... up paying some of the bills. <laughs> yes, very importantly, pays some of the bills. He's just been a very integral part of everyone at Marvel's experience, I would say. So, well, there was a there's a professional slant to that because so much of what CB does um, and has done, and I don't know if you're going to be continuing to do that, and you can talk a little bit about that, is talent management, talent talent relations. Yeah. Um, so, a lot of you who are probably aspiring artists or writers um, uh, is probably met CB or tried to meet CB or so, emailed me or emailed CB. <laughs> um, and that actually, that you started, so what point at Marvel did you start becoming So I was translator, relations? and yeah. then when I started actual full-time employee, I know that I wrote for Marvel, so I wrote some of the Marvel Mangaverse titles right. and did some coordination with uh, Brian Smith, the editor at the time, who brought me on board to help out with some of that stuff. And then that led to a job where I was working in Ralph Macchio's office with Smitty. Uh, he got me to come on full-time, and I was an associate editor on a lot of the Ultimate books. So Ultimates, Ultimate Spider-Man, Ultimate Fantastic Four, a lot of that stuff right from the beginning. I think I came in right around the time of Ultimate Spider-Man 13, the reveal issue where he told Mary Jane he was mm-hmm. Spider-Man, and it was around the same time as Ultimate 4 came out, I think, was with Brian. I remember working with Brian Hitch on that one, so... And then how about, so then what happened? How did you guys make the shift into talent relations? And then they gave me a bunch of my own books, uh, X-Men Unlimited. I was on Alias with Bendis and uh, Gatos at the time. And it was launched uh, NYX with Mm -hmm. with Joe Q and Josh Middleton. And uh, my books were always late. (laughs) 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 So I was one of those guys that always gave the artist the benefit of the doubt because I wanted to, like, quality over schedule yeah so and uh didn't go over very well with some people <coughs> david bogart <coughs> and uh, no <laughs> so much has changed yes <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> so no so i remember jake joe q called me down and he said you know he's like you're a really bad editor you have the worst like on time <laughs> shipping record of anybody he's like but all the talent really likes you he's like so i think that you have a future and they had this idea to create talent management so you know we came with a talent management department David Bogart and I working together with him doing kind of the internal scheduling stuff and working with the talent once we got them in the door to make sure they stayed on time and got schedules and then me kind of the the quote unquote ambassador or whatever it was who would go out and track them down and bring them in and make them feel comfortable and work the system you know to to make the get the best talent in the door as possible well I mean I think this is also just for future and current junior editors out there this is a really bad lesson yes. I was going to say this is a, it's a really backwards lesson like if you're bad at your job you may get a better job on the other end or not better but yeah they'll just find a new place for you this does not happen every day this is very this is a CB special yeah this was the this was old Marvel <laughs> this was old Marvel um, but you did so much with the talent management department that I think um, a lot of other companies um, I'm not gonna say the names haven't really quite gotten there yet in terms of relationship building in terms of creating a system as to how to recruit talent and also cultivate them within the Marvel space. Yeah, and it's so easy, but so difficult in some ways yeah. because every every talent is different. Everybody needs yeah. a different thing. You know, you're not just a talent manager. You know, you have to be a friend, you have to be a babysitter, you have to be a psychologist, you have to be a bail bondsman and sometimes, you know, you got to take Uh-oh. care of whatever these guys need and at, at, at conventions and you know every every person is different so it's just you have to understand that you have to drink with them yes it's dr- so drink hard. a lot with them it's so difficult I was with a talent manager from a different company at a con one time yeah. in Brazil of all places 
And I'm like, oh, so, hey, what are we doing tonight? You know, just to be friendly, you know, the competition's a competition, but we're all part of the same family. We all love comics. And he's like, oh, I'm doing what I always do. I'm going back to my room, going to order room service and go to bed. I got jet lag. I'm tired. And I was like, wow, you know, you're not going out with all these amazing Brazilian artists who are out there who want to just party and drink and dance all night and get to know them. And he's like, no, no, they can take care of themselves. Like, I'm really not in the mood for that kind of stuff anyway. It's not part of my job. And I was like, it's the biggest part of our job sometimes. That's how we, you know, make people trust us and like us and where we have some of the best conversations. We could talk about projects. All the conversation flows so freely and that's where the level of trust is built. You know, they always say that, um, you know, when you travel, you, you really get, never get to know someone until you sit down and have a meal with them or have a drink with them. And the same goes with comic creators. You know, you really have to get to know the people you work with on a level where they feel comfortable with you. We're not just a guy giving them a contract and money. You're a guy that they know that you have their back. They can understand you. You've had a bit of part of their culture. So you've given them part of your life and shared some things with them that they're going to give back to you. Right. Well, and so much of what we do as editors and storytellers and is like that relationship. It's yeah. relationship building. If you can't yeah. work with uh, a creator, then chances are you're not going to get your best work out. Chances are they might not want to come back and work with you, which is extremely important. So it does, like all jokes aside, it kind of does start in, in a bar or at a restaurant or just a place where those particular creators feel comfortable. Yeah. Um, and that is uh, extremely important. And I feel like you should probably pass along your um, advice for uh, how to be socially savvy with freelancers <laughs> and creators, because uh, after you go, I don't know what what we're gonna do. We're just I, I just know. walk in, I'm very awkward. We're just we we have no social skills. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's funny because uh, people would always say now, like after the internet really came up and there's social media, especially over the last five years, and, and especially with blogs like you know Tumblr and Facebook and all these things came up. Like, why do you need to travel around the world so much? Can't you just look for artists online? And yeah, there's some truth of that matter. But you know, going to what you were just saying, son, it was that every creative team is like a family. You know, from the editor to the letterer to the production person, you're all working. You know, to get for the end result, to get that comic out. And sometimes you talk to those people on a daily basis. You know, you talk to them more sometimes than you see your kids because the artist might be working late and the kids go to bed. And it's a, it's a relationship where you have to be comfortable. And it's just that's why I like to meet people face to face before hiring them. Because yeah, someone you could look at see someone has great art, but you don't know what kind of person they are. They might be a jerk. You know, they might not have the commitment. They might not have the the kind of drive that they need to be a part of that family. So going out and meeting them and having a drink with them and talking to them, you get a sense of like, oh yeah, this person's in it. This person can get along with the writer. This person can get along with an anchor. This person can get along with the editor, color. Whereas, you know, you wouldn't get that sense online, and that's really important. Because if you build a team and there's one weak link and they fall apart two months in, your whole launch plan could be really blown up, and it could really affect the psyche of the rest of the team to have lose a member who they've built the book with up to so far. Absolutely. And just on the other side of the spectrum, when they're, when a popular artist is getting lots of offers from all kinds of different companies, different independent writers... If they've gone out and had a drink with CB and they like us and they like Marvel and you have good relationships there, it's just more. It's more about building those tr- that trust and just getting consistent work out of people. So it's such an important role that you play that you kind of it seems like just developed out of your personality. In, in which a way, is awesome. you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, a lot of questions. So a lot of the questions that we get, um, like on this podcast and the Women of Marvel panels, is and what you definitely always get is about you know. Yes, behind-the-scenes process, but also how to get behind the scenes, how mm-hmm. to become a creator, how to become an artist. And you are really at the forefront of this. And just so you guys know out there, we 
anytime CB comes back from his travels, he will bring back like a bunch of portfolios and share with us artists that he thinks have a lot of potential. And he has a really incredible eye, which is really sort of hard to cultivate and figure out. You just you just have that innately. You can see the potential of an artist and you say, I think that we can work with this artist and get him, him or her to the next level. Mm-hmm. So how do you go about, one, what's the thing? Someone gives you a portfolio, right? You're sitting in the middle of like Brazil or whatever it is, <laughs> many international conventions you go to. Someone gives you a portfolio and you have to respond to them immediately. What are you looking for in the first, like, minute? Because uh, we we do these really fast. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's, it's quick. It's yeah. a maximum 10 minutes per person is what the yeah. time we're going to be able to give them at, at any convention or in a bar after the show, which is not always cool, but sometimes we open it up that way. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's always first and foremost storytelling. You know, it's just, it's, it's style. I always say style comes second. Storytelling, someone has to in, have an innate ability to do it. And you can tell right away if they're good at it. And it's, you know, it's that ability to take a character from the first panel of the first page and move them coherently and clearly through all the different panels and all the different pages to the last panel of that story. And it doesn't matter where you're from or what language you speak or what language the comic is lettered in, if it's even lettered at all. If you're an artist... Your job is for to be able to tell the story to me through your artwork, not through the words. And, you know, that's why I hate when people apologize. Oh, you might not understand my comic. It's in Brazilian or it's in Portuguese or, you know, it's it's in Japanese. I don't care. If you did your job as an artist, I should be able to understand the story without having to read the word balloons. And that's what makes it so much easier for us to be able to do that. And... Um, because style can be changed. We don't like to ask artists to change their style. Everybody, every artist develops their own style. You know? But a lot of artists end up learning by tracing or imitating other artists. And, it's, and if I see someone has a look that's similar to another artist, and we all do, you know, everyone has been inspired by someone, no matter what they do, especially artists, that you can look at that and, and see, well, if they have the storytelling skills to back it up, they can obviously develop that style to become something a little bit more unique. I would say there's a, a fine line between inspiration and imitation. Absolutely. Like, actually, a lot of times when I see a portfolio and it's mostly character designs, yeah. I I don't know what to how to respond because I'm like I don't know what kind of artist you nope, are. Exactly. You could have traced that mm-hmm. for all yep. I know, and because Spider Man is everywhere, so you can probably get that from. You can definitely go in and, and trace that image, but. What is it that you're trying to say as an artist? Mm-hmm. You need to be able to see sequential pages if you want to be a sequential artist. Um, and if you want to be a cover artist, not just standard superhero shots, cover cover artists need to have a message and a story as well. Yep, exactly. And one of the things is when I always look through a portfolio, the first question I ask is I always say, look, I'm going to sit down and leaf through this and get my for my opinion of it. While I'm doing that, tell me about your background as an artist. What artists did you like when you were younger? And what artists are you inspired by now? And then they'll go through and they'll list the standard, you know, people usually. And it's usually, you know, depending on the generation, some of the old 90s image artists. These days it'll be, you know, Olivier Coipel, Steve McNiven, Brian Hitch, David Finch, Stuart Eminen. I mean, the list goes on. And then once I've, they've given me that list, I'll be, I'll, I always try to like freak people out just to put them off a little off guard to see how they answer. Like, well, obviously you also like, like J. Scott Campbell or Joe Mad or, hey, I see a little bit of Jim Lee in you. And I was like... 
how did you know that? I was like, well, it's actually obvious because if I can see it, other people can see it. And that means, you know, you're on your way and you're looking at the right people to influence your artwork, but you're still going a little bit too much or too far mm-hmm. in, in copying them. And when there's someone I can't see, like there's, it's a completely original, it's a lot of original artwork now. It's like, all right, now I found someone who, if they have the storytelling skills, they have that unique style. This is someone we can use. Because a lot of people, and I, I hate to say this is a stereotype, but a lot of the, the foreign artists especially come from a studio system, so they always learn to draw like somebody else, thinking that if that person falls down or doesn't get a job, then I can just step into those shoes. And in other publishers, that is the case, because they want a house style. They want the books to look the same. But I always say at Marvel, we have an artist on Doctor Strange, Chris Pacella. You know? We have an artist on Black Panther, Brian Stelfreeze. We have an artist on Ms. Marvel, Adrian Alphone on Takeshi. They're all drawn specific styles. We're not looking for someone to fill that gap and follow that exact same style. We want you to bring your own personality to our characters. It's our characters that we want you you just to, to speak, you know, you speak with through your art. And then they get that, like, oh, so you don't want me to draw like them? You want me to come up with my own original style? Yes. Well, we have such a stylistic diversity now. Well, that's what I was going to ask about. Do you think that that, have you seen that shift in your time, like, in your role as sort of talent relations? Or do you think that that's been pretty consistent for how long has it been? It's, Almost 20 years. It's, I think it's pretty been pretty consistent. I do think right now our line is more diverse than it has been in a very long time. Just, I just think comics in general has come that far. You know, there's so many different styles now between digital comics and self-publishing and web comics and everything that's coming out of Image that's so gorgeous. There's a lot more artists who are getting their work out there and getting known. So there's more of a diversity for even us as talent managers and editors to pick from and bring here because comic styles have become so much more acceptable. And Marvel did have a house style for a little bit while, for a while, but we've always been the most progressive company in terms of artwork from back in the early days with Jack Kirby to, you know, look at what Frank Miller and Bill Sankiewicz on New Mutants in the 80s was an enormous leap and so many people hated it but now you look back and now it's one of the classic runs like Marvel took chances with their artists and we're taking more chances now than ever before just because I think there's so many more options out there Absolutely Have you seen now now we're talking you know so much of what we do and you know obviously with the women of Marvel panels and the podcasts and sort of engagement we've had with the female audience like when I started obviously it was a very different world when I started in comics specifically Mm -hmm. not just Marvel but you know how how have you, from the perspective of you know talent management going or talent managing and going around the world and meeting a lot of uh, potential creators and writers, what have you seen in terms of the shift of demographics and where has that been? Have you seen a shift? Like, are there actually more creators coming forth who are more who are women who are represent different backgrounds? Without a doubt, yeah. there, there's many many more creators coming through now who, who are women who are coming to the portfolio reviews, who are coming to the breaking in panels, who are asking questions, who are getting emails from. And it's, from certain countries, there's always been a large demographic of female audiences, or, from, or female ed, or writer, writers and artists. Like for Italy, for example. You know, the very long history of art being equal, you know, comic schools hiring just as many, bringing just as many women as men. Mm-hmm. And But now it's grown, and Japan, another one, of course, with manga, obviously. Yeah. But now, just homegrown talent here in the States, looking at that, I think we're seeing so many more female talent come come through now. And a lot of that I do attribute to the rise of manga like 20 years ago because there were so many more girls who were reading comics back then who were inspired by it, who grew up wanting to be artists drawing manga, but now have developed their style to the place where Marvel's become such a big hit too since the movies that they've adapted you know, their 
love of art and their joy of storytelling with superhero stories and superhero sensibilities. We've come up with these very unique styles that are things like we've never seen before. And I think that's really pushing the envelope and really making comics that much more interesting these days with what they're doing. Yeah, you brought up the idea that like different countries we have pulled our talent pool from some countries specifically like Italy I know we pull a lot of artists from Brazil you're moving to Shanghai I don't feel at least anecdotally from my experience working at editorial that I've worked with very many Chinese artists um, what do you see as like the challenges sort of in these next steps as you move to Asia as the translation of sort of what the Marvel superhero is in that market yeah we haven't haven't seen many Chinese, you know, artists come through. There's been a lot of, some Chinese American talent, you know, uh, second generation or kids who grew up here. But actual artists living and working in China, we haven't really had that many at all. And two of the big steps are one, the language barrier. And two, just general communication, because a lot of the email and servers and everything is either it's not getting out of China, mm. or our email servers and everything here is, is blocking it, thinking it's spam or something like that. So there's there's really stupid logistical points that we need to work out. But there's also just a general lack of, well, two things. There's a lack of knowledge of the American comic book market, and them not growing up knowing what not just comics are, but what superhero comics are, and that's changing now. I did portfolio reviews in China recently twice and had a lot of good talent come out. You know, there's, there's just all these different hurdles that we have to, to, to find in working with talent, even the payment system to getting them paid living and working in China. So what is, uh, speaking of, so when you're out in Shanghai, like, what are you gonna, your responsibilities in terms of representing Marvel? I'll still be doing a lot of the talent scouting, but mostly in Asia and Southeast Asia now. There's a lot of great talent coming out of Indonesia. We've got some great leads in Thailand. Obviously, the Japanese manga market is huge, and sometimes there's not a lot of crossover, but finding artists now as Marvel brand grows, artists will want to work more on the Marvel stuff. Um, but also just representing Marvel kind of like, as a company and looking for new business opportunities. The way I always look at it is um, it's like reverse engineering. Like here in, in Europe, mainly in the Western world and, say, South America, everybody knows that Marvel started as a comic book company and we grew from there. You know, Spider-Man is Amazing Friends is the cartoon, Bill Bixby and Lou Friedman was the Hulk. They watched us grow from this comic book company and all these different mediums to the film where it is now. So we planted the seed and grew the tree and the leaves and the branches are, are you know, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. But in Asia especially, they only know our movies. They never really had a history with Marvel before that. Yeah, a little bit they dabbled. Well, the Philippines and Japan were a little bit different, but a lot of the other countries never really had a history with Marvel. So they see the movies now. So we have to reverse engineer the brand. Like, hey, when you leave the theaters two or three times a year after a Marvel movie, doesn't mean the story has to end. You know, We have the comic book line. We have the uh, the video games. We have the bed sheets. You can create your own stories with the action figures. Here's, you know, we're trying to get Spider-Man on TV in different areas, you know. So it's like kind of reverse engineering the brand to make sure that people know that Marvel's this lifestyle brand. It's not not just a two-hour entertainment experience three times a year. When you, like, are dealing with... So you're going to be out there, obviously, and interacting with, hopefully, potentially new talent, which yep. is really awesome and mm -hmm. very exciting for us. Um, what is the, 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 the piece of advice that you give for people trying to get through the doors? How do they make themselves known in a way that is not annoying? <laughs> not annoying. <laughs> the four Ps be 
professional and be polite. Don't be pestering and don't be a pain in the butt. <laughs> <laughs> you could do how Ryan Michael Bendis did with the purple envelope. He was telling uh, Ryan for This Week in Marvel about his purple, or no, us, for this, the purple envelope and how he would send his 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 letters to Tom Brevoort. That's right. In a purple envelope. <laughs> yeah. There's an artist who's still working in comics today, Clay Mann, who was with Marvel for a long time. He was at DC now. He's uh, you know, Valiant. He used to Poison Ivy over at DC. Um, he would send it in his samples every couple months. And I remember back when I was in my office, he'd always get the, the, the package from Clay. And he would illustrate the envelope with one of his, his drawings. And they would come in. It's like, oh, great. Before you even open the envelope, you know, it was inside. You saw how he progressed as an artist every two months because when he sent his new samples, he would illustrate the package. And I still remember getting those envelopes. And that's how he got his job like, along the same line. Just make, make it something so you stand out in the crowd. And, you know, not as many people send in envelopes anymore. So it's, it's you know, mostly every all communication now is through social media or through you know email and the, it's easier to piss people off on social social media than to get yourself <laughs> noticed which is an unfortunate circumstance you know when you're contacting all the marvel editors you know everyone that works here is very available and we encourage them to be open online and talk about marvel in you know positive ways and use the internet as a tool to to bring in talent and to promote the books which i think is fantastic and just because everyone's out there and it feels like you're they're your friend online doesn't mean you're a friend and you know them very intimately so make just when you're trying to pitch to Marvel, you guys know this, you know, it's just remember that there's a wall there. They're not your best friend. Don't be like, tweet, yo, Sona, check out my link. <laughs> you know, Emily, you're going to love this. <laughs> you know, and, and put a link or put an attachment. It's like, you know, still remember that there's an editor. You're applying for a job, even if it is over social media. Be polite. Be smart. Be conscious. You know, you know. You know, dear so-and-so, I'm an aspiring artist. Do you mind if I send you a link to my stuff? A quick tweet like that goes a lot more, long, long, lot farther than just sending out a, a, a link to a, an image with a, yo, check this out, or something like that, you know? There is, a, there is still some decorum to be followed. You should apply for a job in comics the same way you should apply for a job in other mediums. Yes, we're a great medium. We're an awesome business. We work with a lot of cool people, and we're artistic, and we're creative. But we're still looking for people who are professional, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it is a funny sort of social distinction that does break down specifically over media like Twitter and yep. Facebook to a degree because you are showing your personal life, but at the same time it is a vehicle for you to make professional contact. So it's a, it's a social subtlety that I think requires a bit of learning, but the more professional you are, I think, it, the better. The better, yeah. And one of the big things I would tell artists these days, too, is Scotty Young used to say, uh, you know, there's never such a thing as being overexposed. So just because you have a website and a Twitter account and a Facebook account, any kind of new social media that comes up, you should maybe explore it to see if it works for you and your art, especially Tumblr. Tumblr's a great tool that we rely on very heavily now to look at our work. It's a great way for an artist to put up their portfolio in a sequential order because we always know the first piece we go to should be technically be your newest piece so we can scroll down and look through your artwork. I know you know Nick Lowe, a Spider-Man editor, uses it a lot for hiring, and there's it's, it's really a tool that I think people should explore and that's a lot, another piece of advice I give people is like put your artwork out there because you never know where someone's going to see it you know if digital comic I hired people off of MySpace back in the day and you know any kind of blog or any kind of interview or any kind of message board you know put your stuff up there and just, just put all the feelers out there yeah and make sure it's your stuff I've had situations where I've been looking on Tumblr and someone will like 
repost somebody else's yeah. art, and it gets very, very confusing, but try to make sure you distinguish it. And try to have a good mix. If you want to be a cover artist or an, and an interior mm-hmm. artist, have a good mix of all of the samples. Um, and I would say black and white and colors are always very helpful. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, don't get surprised if you get contacted by an editor and you're not going to get a job right away. They're asking you for more samples. It's just like you go for a job and you have to fill in an application or you have to take a test or there's an internship period. You know, a lot of times, as you guys know so well, is we want to see what you do with our characters. And you drawing a great script uh, based on another company's characters or an old script you found online is one thing. For an editor to contact you and give you a script for one of the books they're working on is a big deal. They're only going to ask you to draw three or four pages and there's going to be no real deadline. You know, you get it done in a reasonable amount of time. We know that there's life and you have a real job but you know don't get put off if you get asked to do three or four pages because I've had some people go I don't have to do test pages you know I'm, I'm ready I'm ready why would I have to do this it's like no there's always some kind of test for any kind of position that you're you're applying for and just doing two or three pages getting an actual Marvel script from an actual writer so you get sent to bend a script and you're, you know the Guardians of the Galaxy editor says hey man can you draw this it's like wow re- that means they are serious about hiring you because they're asking to do a script from a writer from one of their books There is, like, so much knowledge coming out of CB, and I feel like um, for those of you who have the uh, opportunity to be able to meet him uh, at a convention, please do so, obviously, in a respectful, non-annoying manner. (laughs) Um, But where can people find you? Um, Because you're constantly, you always send out tweets and you give sort of updates of, one, obviously, where you are and what you're doing, but also just pieces of advice out to, to, to potential aspiring creators. So where, where can people find you? Mainly on Twitter. That's what I use mostly for giving advice and talking to artists and really just kind of being social in the comic book industry. It's just at CB Cebulski, at my name, at, you know, on Twitter. And uh, Instagram's more for my food. Facebook's more for personal stuff. But, you know, it just uh, the, the, the Twitter thing is where I think is the best way to, to get a hold of me. And, you know, I, I, I will encourage people. You know, we're, we're talking about me a lot. But, you know, Ricky Purden, who maybe will one day come on the uh, yeah. the Women of Marvel pan, pa- podcast here. Ricky's taking over from talent management. And he's also on Twitter, uh, you know, at Ricky Purden, P-U-R-D-I-N. And uh, he's an amazing resource. He's someone who's who's stepped into the talent management role. He's just been doing a fantastic job, and he's yeah. he's got you know such great skills in talking art and identifying talent and really working with you guys on a social level. That uh, you know don't 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 be don't be afraid to contact Ricky either. Yeah, he's been great. We try not to say nice things to his face. Uh, yep, exactly. <laughs> he's been on one. Ricky, don't of, listen to this. Gotta check that ego. <laughs> <laughs> he was uh, for for to hear from Ricky. Actually, we did have him on a Woman of Marvel podcast. Oh, okay. uh-huh. uh, when we did uh, the ESPN uh, ESPN thing, right? W, which he was a big part oh, of, right. sourcing yep. mm-hmm. a lot of new creators, actually, in that. So you guys can go back to that podcast and listen to all of his adorable jokes. <laughs> jokes, <laughs> jokes and quotes. Well, I think we should... I, I'd like to have him back on to talk about portfolio reviews as we are for Daniel Comic-Con. Because yep. I think that's sort of a question we get a lot of, like, when you get ready for cons, like, how, what portfolio do you drop off? Because yep. that's still a thing. You know, as long as I worked at Marvel, we did it at the first con I went to, and we still do it. So Yeah, and the, the one piece of advice I always give about cons is, is don't go in expecting to get a portfolio review, don't go in expecting to get work. Just go in looking for contacts because that's the most important part. You know, editors have a lot of different roles they play at conventions from, you know, from panels to organizing signings to helping out at the booth to, you know, working with talent. And, you know, 
they are giving their time to do portfolio reviews, but sometimes you don't always make the list. You know, you don't make the cut. But you shouldn't be disappointed because an editor is never hiring someone on the spot. Like, I can only think of three or four examples where I've hired an artist on the spot. Most of it comes after the fact. All you want to do is get their email or get to know them, so you put a name to a face. So when you follow up, say, hey, I met you at San Diego. You mind if I send you my stuff? That's all you really need, you know. Well, CB, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you guys for having me with on. us. We're going to miss you. Uh, we got to start. I'll come on next time and I'll talk to you, uh, you know, give my Mandarin a go. Yeah. <laughs> wow. We'll Skype you. And or you then... should have the women of Marvel out to Shanghai. Yeah, hey, we could do that. You know? <laughs> better. The, hey, the women of Marvel uh, panel at live from Shanghai Disneyland. Uh, <laughs> as we ride one of the rides. Yeah. <laughs> this is a great initiative. I'm into this. It's done. I think it's already happening. Yeah, yeah. I did it right here. <laughs> uh, we will obviously um, we'll miss you so much, but you're still in the Marvel family, so you're yes, still I around. Be. I'll be back every now and then. I will be at San Diego too. Yeah, so it's it's awesome. more it's more like a see you later. Yep. Um, we are having his going away party tomorrow night, so there will be probably some crazy tweets coming from all of us <laughs> non Marvel sponsored crazy tweets. <laughs> the tweets are our own. <laughs> the tweets are our own, especially Jen Grunwald's. Especially <laughs> at Jen Grunwald's. Correct. (laughs) Well, we will check you guys later. This is Marvel, your universe.